we'll keep you posted on that. Uh, so we, we, we started a, a series, according to my message now, uh, that's called The Gospel Truth. And it, it, it centers around the, the reality that uh, truth is not found in a location, a philosophy, or even religion. Truth is found in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And the gospel, with that reality, the truth, the gospel is good news. Uh, no one should ever leave a, a setting where Jesus is the center. You should never leave without hope. You should leave with the understanding that God loves you so much that he was willing to pay the price so that you could be in relationship with him. That's what the gospel is. We're going to look at that in a, in a greater way. And the other thing that is going along with this series is, um, is we're doing small groups to kind of dig deeper, uh, to talk it over, on Sunday mornings or any time that people gather uh, to hear the preaching of the word, uh, it's a lot different than when people gather in small groups and are able to discuss the word of God. And I encourage every person to be a part of a small group. And when I say that, I know, I know that not everyone will. It's very needed, but not everyone will. Uh, I, especially, not you guys, you guys are really good about welcoming any advice. It's the other services that push it away. <laughs> and you know I'm kidding about that. So here, here I want to make it easier for you because 45 minutes of, of hearing a, a, a pastor preach is not enough for your week. If you agree with me, just raise your hand and say, yeah, you're, you're right. Because you're going to hear probably, you know, 30 minutes of it. You're going you're to check out in time. At 30 minutes, I'm really speaking real high. Uh, there's, th there's things in your head right now. And, and you're trying to, you know, get it, get, be present at this moment. We all face that. We all think about things. And we're trying to understand uh, and be present in whatever conversation or dialogue that we're having. It's no different in a, in, a, in a church setting. So here's what I would like to propose to you guys. Um, some of you are, are um, maybe not ready to go to a small group. My prayer is that you will. There's, there's small group signups uh, uh, in the cafe. There's, there's, there's uh, a list of, of groups that we have. We have over 100 people that are in a small group. That says a lot about Living Word Chapel. But if you're not ready for that, here's what I would propose. We have these handouts that are, these study guides that are already printed. And uh, it, it goes along with the message. And why don't you think about or consider grabbing a study guide and do it this, doing this with your, with your spouse? Doing this with your with your with your children, maybe adult children, maybe your grandchildren, and let them, let them begin to hear what the gospel's about and what truth is about. Because people 
in this country and all over the world, they're, they're hearing what others are saying that truth is. Are you with me? There's a lot of relative truth, but the Bible talks about absolute truth. And that truth doesn't change. It's constant. In other words, uh, we believe that the word of God, we believe that the Bible is the word of God, the word of truth. Jesus said that this word will judge you on the last day. His word will just judge you on the last day. And all of us have a last day. Benny, Benny is a great example for us. I'm not going to go into a lot about Benny's story, but he was here Easter Sunday loving on people. And Easter Monday, he had a massive heart attack. And all of us, that's a potential. And everything that we talk about, everything that we read in the, in the scriptures or everything that people read outside of the scriptures, you're going to find out whether it's true or not. We find out if Jesus is true. And if you do the research, you find out a lot about the historical Jesus of Nazareth, who was called the Christ. That wasn't his last name. Jesus Christ is not like James Reese. Jesus, the Christ, is a title. The Messiah, that's where that comes from. It's a, Greek, it's a Greek translation from the Messiah, the anointed one. And the one that was, that was uh, to come, that was talked about in the Old Testament. And the reason that this series is, is so important to, to you and to me is because in this letter that Paul writes to the church in Corinth, he says that this is the most important thing. Where he gets to this chapter in chapter 15, and it was something that the early church, right, right even before Paul began to preach, the early church was already reciting this orally. We're going to look at that, and I want you guys to, to understand how important the gospel is. So I asked our small group, tell me what the gospel is, and they all presented different things in the Bible or things that they understood, and I said, well, is that the gospel or is that a Bible verse? If I was to ask you today, what is the gospel? Yeah. yeah you, amen. I really want you to keep it to yourself, but both, thank, thank you, Terry. That's, that's why this is not a small group, but just, just saying. It's a small group of 150 people, but, it, but that's wonderful. That's exactly what we, yes. And, and we're going to look at that uh, in a greater way. Um, last week, we, we, we determined that the, the, the gospel presentation, the message is, is number one, receivable. You, you should be willing to receive it, just like a package that, that you're waiting for in the mail. Anyone ever ordered on Amazon in, in this first service? Anyone? Just raise your hand if you've ever had an Amazon order. Yeah. Anyone been waiting for that Amazon order? You're just like, right? And, and then there's, there, there's things that we receive, but there's things that we welcome as well. Yeah, we, we, we talked about it last week. Sometimes we say, this is welcoming news. That's wonderful, right? So... The gospel is receivable, it's welcoming. It's also, as we looked, it's dependable. 
You can trust the gospel message. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in every way acknowledge God, and he will make your path straight. In other words, you can depend on God. The gospel message is dependable. But it's also, it's also believable. And everyone that's sitting here in this first service and everyone that is watching online or that, or that will watch online, you are believing something. It might not even be believing in Jesus, but you're believing something. This gospel message, the Apostle Paul said, you can believe it. You can hold on to it. You can trust it. And the whole basis of the gospel message is that, is, we'll look at it right now, but it's that Jesus died on a cross at Calvary. And that was the message that the apostles went out and preached. And not everyone received it with, welcome, with welcoming arms or receptive hearts and, and ears. In fact, the apostle Paul in, in, in chapter one of this same letter, he says, but we preach Christ crucified. To Jews, this is a stumbling block, and to Gentiles, it's foolishness. The Jews were the religious people. The Gentiles were the intellectuals. To the Jews, it was a stumbling block because their Messiah was supposed to come in and free them from the Romans and have an earthly kingdom. So Jesus going to the cross didn't make any sense. The Greeks, the Gentiles, the Romans, they thought about their own power, their own intellect, their own philosophies. And Jesus didn't fit the mold. And can I tell you something, beloved? Jesus doesn't fit the mold in America. Jesus crucified goes against everything. It confronts us as people. But this message will transform your life. It transformed my life. It met me where I was at and completely changed me into the person that God is making me to be. And if you've ever encountered Jesus, the one who went to the cross at Calvary, he will not leave you the same. He loves you too much than to leave you the same. And that's why this is so important. It's important because God so loved you that he gave his son. So that you would not perish. So with Benny, it's not that he's perishing. Benny is now running around heaven. Amen. Benny used to run around the church. I say, Benny, please, Benny. Oh, my goodness. What are you doing, bro? Just running around the church like a like a loving, crazy person. But he did that because he found Jesus. 
And so, you know, God loved you so much, he didn't want you to perish, but that you would have everlasting life. And that you could live in this new, no condemnation kind of life. So, so Paul, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we get to verse 3. Now, this is part of, the, this is part of what they would call the kerygma. In Greek, it's, it's the most important thing. It's, it's what they recited. And this is, this is what Paul said in verse 3 as he wrote to the church in Corinth. He says, I passed on to you what was most important. Now, when the Bible says that something is most important, what does it mean? It's most important. You're so smart. You're so smart for service. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Now, last, last week we solidified the, the message that was passed on to Paul. Where did he get the message? He got it from Jesus himself. He wasn't one of the apostles that walked with Jesus. In fact, he came after. And he was actually against the apostles. He was persecuting the church. Anyone in here persecute the church ever? Before Christ, I thought, I thought you guys were crazy. And now I'm crazy with you. And you may be in here and you may, you may be never cross that threshold of faith and you may think these people are crazy because they, they sing songs to this guy. They, they sing about this dove from heaven that will land on this Jesus. And then they raise their hands and do they have questions? What are they doing? So Paul says, I, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Here's the most important. He's going to go into it. Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture said. We established last week that if this is God's word, then it should have priority over our lives. And let me say something that's important to you. It's, it, it, it's, you can never be a successful Christian without God having priority in your life. Number one priority. Do you know that? And, and so as you begin to make him priority, then, then the premise of, of, of Christ dying for your sins is the most important. And it takes the focus off of you and puts the focus on Jesus. Because so many people live, live their lives so defeated because they put everything on them. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not th- We're not talking about you. We're talking about Jesus. He died for your sins. Keep Jesus the most important person in your life. Put yourself off the throne and put Jesus there. He died for my sins because that's the most important thing in my life. And I realize that every day that I wake up, every morning when I wake up, I realize that I need Jesus. It don't take me long. It doesn't to understand that I need Jesus because there are things that are always coming into my life that are difficult and they're bigger than me. And, And the more of a platform that God gives you, the bigger the problems are in your life. So, so you say, I, I just want to do big things. Be careful what you say. Small things come with problems. Medium things that you do in life are more problematic. And the big things that you want to do in life are really problematic. 
And you begin to find out that you can't do it without God. You come to find out that you need him. You come to find out that, that, that you really mess up a lot. That we have difficulty. And, 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 and you have to understand that Jesus dying for our sins is important because he came to, to, to accomplish that for very specific reasons. That'll be your takeaways. That'll be what you'll discuss throughout the week. And, and the, first, the first reason that Jesus came to die for my sins, and then we can include you as well, but I, I really like to talk about him forgiving me, is he did this so that he could make atonement for my sins. Anyone ever heard that word, atonement? Raise your hands if you've heard that word. And it's okay if you haven't. It, it's a very important biblical word. And what it means is to pay a price for you. It's to pay the ultimate price so that you can be free. Now, Jesus talking about why he came to this, this world in, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, he said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. And that's the character of Christ, right? He emptied himself of being God in the flesh, and he came and he served people. He became like us. He says, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a, as a ransom for many. What does it say? For, how come it doesn't say for all? He did it for all, but not everyone will put their faith in him. See, some people, and you might even be here today, you, you think that you're good enough. You think, you know what, I'm not as bad as that person down the street. I'm not as person as a person down the, 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 the town. I'm not as bad as this person. Can I tell you, you're measuring yourself with yourself. You're not measuring yourself with perfection. And that's God. God is perfect. The perfect one came. So he could pay a penalty that he did not owe and die a death he should not have died. And the reason he did that is because he loves you. And through this payment, through this payment, he purifies the sinner. He makes us right. He restores us into a right relationship with the Father. And, and you see the progression, how in the Old Testament that God was, was revealing to the people progressively how there had to be atonement for the mistakes and the failures and the sins of humanity. In Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, this kind of really opens up our understanding. God is talking to the Israelites and he says this, for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood by reason of the life that makes this atonement. In other words, it pays the price. It purifies you. It cleanses you. Anyone ever done something boneheaded and then you feel bad about it? Any, I know first service, you guys don't ever have this. Don't raise your hands. Don't. That's not you guys. 
No, we all do it. And, 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 and when you do those things and your conscience tells you that's not what you should be doing, you say, I got to make things right. I've talked to people that have, that have really done some bad things, like a failure in their marriage, and I've had these conversations, and they say, I really messed up my life. But if you, don't worry. I, I, I'll take care of it. I'll get it in control. I said, how are you going to take care of it, bro? You're the one that messed it up. How are you going to make it right? But you don't know how bad I've been. You don't know the things that I've done. I said, exactly. It, I, I don't have to know, but God does. He loves you, and he will make it right. And that's what atonement is all about. You see, you don't have to walk around in the, in the unworthiness. You don't have to walk around in the guilt. You don't have to walk around in the shame. You don't have to walk in all that. That's how much God loves you. That he understands that all of us need a second chance. So John the Baptist comes on the scene and, and, and he, 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 first time he meets his, uh, or you know, that we see him in the Bible meeting, meeting Jesus, Jesus was his cousin, I don't know the backstory. We don't, we don't read that in the, in, in the Gospels, but we see that, that they, came, they came across each other. And, and when John the Baptist sees Jesus, he, he, he looks at him and he says, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This one, Jesus. He's the Lamb of God who, who takes away the sins of the world. Why does Jesus come into our life to take our sin. Why does he do that? I don't know about you guys, but I need for him to take my sins. Because I fall short of the glory of God, even at my best. On my best day, I still need Jesus. On my worst day, I really need him. The apostle John, he put it like this in, in his, his first letter. Uh, he said, he himself, he being Christ, is the sacrifice that atones for our sins, and not only for our sins, but the sins of all the world. Not, not only is he good for me, but he's good for others. And that's why it's such good news. That's why you should never keep it to yourself. Because he's the hope for other people. Just like he's the hope for me. He's the hope for you, but he's also the hope for your children, your grown children, your grandchildren. He's their hope. And, and when Paul says this is the most important thing, that, that, that Christ died for our sins, it's, it's very important for you. But it's also important for those that you love. I continuously pray for, for those people that God has placed in my circle, it, my immediate family. You know, God has them in my life, and, and I pray for them constantly. I pray for them. I, I say, Lord, I said, you know, save them. Save their souls. I say, Lord God, uh, uh, just, just uh, move in their hearts, Lord. Just bring them back to your love and into your grace, Lord. Get them out of that sticker patch and bring them back to you because I love them. And then it goes further than that. You know, my neighbors, Lord God, let me be, let me be an agent of your love to my neighbors. Let me just, let me just show them that, that you're real through, through my actions, through, through the, the presence that you manifest in my life. Because, Lord God, I want them to be with you. And, and, when, when, and then the, the circle goes bigger and bigger and bigger. And every person that you come into contact with is a potential friend of Jesus. But they got to find the goodness of God in Jesus. The, the great reformer, Martin Luther, put it like this. He says, Christ, Christ took our sins and the sins of the whole world as well as the Father's wrath on his shoulders. 
And he has drowned them both in himself so that we are thereby reconciled to God and become completely righteous. This is a man that, that, that he was a, was a Roman Catholic priest and he was doing the mass in Latin and no one in Germany understood what he was saying. And he said, there's something wrong with what we're doing. And he saw the practices that were going on. And, and, and this could happen in any denomination, any church. I'm not saying, you know, whoa, 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 the Roman Catholic. This, this happens in every denomination. There are denominations, there are churches that begin to go the wrong way, even in modern times. But Martin Luther said, there's something wrong here. And, and, and as he's doing all this, he, he reads the scriptures. The scriptures become alive to him. And he says, the just shall live by faith. We're justified by what Christ has done for us. And it completely, he, ha, he had an epiphany in his life. And it changed him completely. And he began to preach the gospel. And he, then he was the first one to, pr to, to print the Bible in the vernacular. The vernacular is a common language. You know, people tell me all the time, well, you know what? The Apostle Paul, he preached out of the King James. I'm like, really? <laughs> that, by the way, if you don't know, the King James was written in 1611. It was translated in 1611. And, and when you read it, it's like 1611. What, 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 the, what, what um, Martin Luther was doing, he said, I want to I bring the Bible into uh, the people in their common language. Let them understand it. Isn't it good to understand the word of truth? And so in this happening, he, he and many others simplified the gospel so that people could grab a hold of it, so they could understand that, that as Christ became our atonement, our, 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 um, our sacrifice, he paid the ransom for our sins so that the wrath of God, which is justified, we'll talk about that even more, the wrath of God is justified. Did you know that? Okay, let, let me just ask you a question, humans. I'm going to ask you a question from a human standpoint. How many of you guys get wrathful when when a woman is raped? How many of you guys would really, you say there needs to be a justice for that? How about a child getting molested? Okay. That, and and let's, think, let's just think this through. You think about a child that's distant from you, they're not related to you, and then being molested. How do you feel? Should there be Justification? How about if it's your child? How about if it's your daughter? How about murder? You see, God is perfect, but he's perfectly just. He's got to deal with, not, not, we're talking that pendulum, you know, of, of, of murder and rape and, and that, that, everyone gets mad about that, but what do lies do? Well, well lies can protect people, right? Like, you know, there are some things that happen and you lie about it, but you're protecting people, right? I'm having an affair and, no, I'm, I'm not, by the way, but <laughs> thank the Lord. <laughs> Lord, protect me, because <laughs> that could happen, right? But 
someone's having an affair and, and uh, you know, everything's good. He's not telling his wife and, or she's not telling her husband that they're having an affair. So what are they doing when they're not telling them about an affair? They're what? They're lying. But as long as she doesn't know, everything's good. But when the truth comes out, so we can justify lying, right? We can justify. Okay, so lying is not good. Is lying ever good? How many of you goth? Anyone ever put the, a different score? Honest, be honest. I mean, the pastor has a hard time with that. So, so, so we see that, the, that, that God's wrath has to be justified. It has to be met. Jesus loved us so much that he said, I'm willing to justify them. The Father loves you so much that he's, that he's willing to, to have you justified. I want you to get an understanding of the love of God. See, Jesus is our atonement because he made propitiation for us. And that's a very beautiful word. It's a big word, biblical word. It just means that he is a worthy sacrifice. He's worthy. The Old Testament, we see all these animals that were sacrificed. That was a picture of the one that would actually be able to do it for good. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, he said, Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a, the, the word there is propitiation. But he says, as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Because life is in what? In the blood. And so he, he, he sacrificed his life. He became like us. Though he's the eternal God, the son. And he was willing to come and, and take our shame and take our blame and to take our place and become the propitiation, the worthy sacrifice so that in him we are made right. That is good news. That should make your, 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 your head be lifted up. You don't have to walk in any condemnation. You don't have to walk in any guilt. You can walk in the freedom that comes through Jesus Christ. It is the most important thing that you could ever grab a hold of. And the devil doesn't want you to grab a hold of it. And your enemies don't want you to grab a hold of it because they're always telling you how bad you are. Look at what you've done. Look at who you were. And you, you, you define yourself by what you've done instead of defining yourself by what Jesus did. You live your life by your past. You live your life by your worst mistakes instead of living your life by the greatest thing that you've ever done, and that is trusting that Jesus paid it all. That he is a worthy sacrifice. Peter put it like this. He said, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds, you were healed. Healed from what? From your unrighteousness. You were healed from, from, from the life that, that you had before, from the life that you were before, from the person that you were at one time. Now you're different. Now this right here leads me away from sin. 
This right here says, Lord, you're so good to me. You cared so much about me that I'm going to walk away from the things in my past. I'm going to walk away from the, way that, the ways of the world, and I'm going to walk in this newness that you've purchased for me on the cross. And it leads you away from all the things that the world is doing. All the things that has them bound. The sexual sin, the, 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 the lying, the stealing, the, the, all the, the, the pride that people have. It leads you away from that because God is so merciful. He cares so much about you. But you know what keeps you away from that? You think, oh, foolish man and foolish woman and foolish person. You think that you're good enough. You are not. You need a savior. You need a savior, and his name is Jesus. God came down from heaven because we need him. So he makes atonement for us. You know why? So that he could declare us right, so we could be here at your second takeaway, so that we could be justified. Anyone ever came into your life and they helped you through one of the most difficult times. And they said to you, you know what? I'm going to pay the price that you owe and you're going to be made right. Justified. There's nothing like that feeling. There's nothing like the feeling. There, there, there's, there's, two, there's two sides of this coin. There's nothing like the feeling of guilt. You feel horrible. You feel unworthy. But there's nothing like the feeling of being justified. Being made right. Every child of God should walk around in their lives like you're justified because that's exactly what Jesus did for you on the cross. He went there because he does not want you to live a guilt-ridden life. He doesn't want for you to live a life of shame. He, he wants for you to take your eyes off of yourself. And put them on him. Paul writing to the church in Rome, he put it like this. He said, since we have now been justified. By how? How have we been justified? By his blood. Has nothing to do with your actions. Has nothing to do with how good you think you are. You've been justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? See, people sometimes have a misconception that we're saved from the wrath of the devil. Can I tell you? The devil doesn't have any power over God. The, the devil wants for you to live in shame. The devil wants to bring shame. He, wants, he is the source of shame. He is the source of, of leading you down to, to, to immorality, into pride, uh, into thievery. He's a, that's what he does. He's going to face the wrath of God. Someone say praise the Lord for that. After everything that he does for us, after everything that he does to us, Paul says, You've been justified through the blood of Christ. Now, walk in that and understand that you've been saved from God's wrath. You see, perfect love casts out fear. Be before Jesus, the beginning of wisdom comes with the fear of God. After Jesus, perfect love casts out all fear. 
Before Jesus is God. After Jesus is Father. Are you with me? There's a different position for those that are in Christ. It's not God, oh God, God, if you're there, it's not like that anymore. With me, when I came to Jesus, it's God, if you're real, show me. But after Jesus, it wasn't God anymore. He is God. But I said, Father, our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Let your kingdom come, Dad, here in my life as it is in heaven. Forgive me my sins, Lord. Father, as I forgive the sins of those who sin against me. And Father, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from the, the devil and his power. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory now and forever. And guess what, beloved? I'm justified because of what Jesus has done for me. The blood that was shed at Calvary is a justifying blood. So you have a choice. You can try in your own effort. You can try in your own power. Or you can say, I need Jesus. I need his worthy sacrifice. I, I need his, his justification. See, see, before, before God, I, I, I lived in a pattern, and, and so have you. You lived in a pattern where, where you were not in relationship with God. And this is, what, this is what Paul writes through the church in Ephesus. He says, at that time, he said, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, now, this is not me saying it to you. This is, this is the word of God. Your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. That, that's important for you because your battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers in dark places. Amen? What, what's going on in our country is not going to be won with flesh and blood. It's going to be won through the authority of Christ. He says, you, 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 were, you were led. He said, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those to, uh, to, ref, uh, to obey God. All of us, all of us, and Paul says, I was there too. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. But our very nature was, uh, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. So, so the gospel truth points us to the reality that before Christ, we lived, we lived in hostility toward God. That was me. I opposed God. I opposed God's way because I said I can do it my way. Are you with me? Someone, someone sang a song. I did it my. But our way doesn't work. That's why Jesus said to every single person that whatever become his disciple, he said, follow me. Are you with me? 
The reason is because my way does not work. And so my way leads me into the devil's way. He guided me. He led me. He did things. Now, people would come around James Reese and they would say, this guy, he's a decent guy. He's a good guy. They didn't know my heart. They didn't know my motives. And at the end of the day, my motives were always about me. Until Jesus came into my life. And when Jesus came into my life, my motives were changed and they are about him. Are you with me? And then when that transfer happens, that justification, the way that we, that we change our lives, you know, um, if you follow that, that Ephesians uh, uh, passage right there, it says, but God was rich in mercy. And he saved us by his grace. In other words, it wasn't even anything that I did. It was anything that, 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 that we could do. It was through the mercy of God. Ro- Romans helps us with this. This is in Romans uh, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, and then, and then 7 and 8. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now, which we now what? Stand. It doesn't say perform. It says we stand in this grace because we're justified. This is beautiful. You see, at, the, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why? So that you could be justified. Now, the Lord put this in my mind. i got to share it with you. I believe it's the Lord. See, some of you hang around with a lot of people. They need to know that they're lost without Jesus. And I'm not saying for you to say you're lost without Jesus. I'm not, that's not the way to do it. But they need to know that there's a better way than their way. And God will give you the words that they need to hear. The other thing that I want for you to, to, to take away is that nobody that's in Christ should ever walk around guilt-ridden. No person that is, that is in Christ. If you put your faith in Jesus, you need to know that you're justified. Because you will never have a victorious life if you think that it's all about you. Uh, the great uh, theologian John Piper put it like this. He said, as when it comes to justif- justification, this is the rock where we stand when the dark clouds gather and the floods lick at, our, at, lick at our feet. Justification is by grace alone. It's not mixed with, any, with our own merit. Through faith alone, not mixed with our works. On the basis of Christ alone, not mingling his righteousness with ours to the glory of God alone not ours. So, so you know what the danger, I'm going to say this, and I, I say this very carefully. You know what the danger is at, at funerals? You know what the danger is? You're looking at me like, Pastor, what are you talking about? That we bury people better than what they were. 
that we bury people better than what they were. Oh, he was such a great guy. He's wonderful. She was incredible. The reality is that when we really speak the truth, all of us fall short of the glory of God. Amen. I'm not saying not to say good things for people at a funeral. But what I'm saying is that there's one who's perfect and his name is Jesus Christ. And every person through our failures, when we trust in Jesus, you've been justified just as if you never sinned and you can walk in his goodness. Now, here's the last thing that I want you to take home, okay? Jesus died for our sins to reconcile us to, to the Father. A- a- anyone, and I, this is hard to ask for a service because I know that you guys don't have a lot of struggles, but anyone ever been at odds with somebody especially someone that is very close to you? There's been a breach in your relationship? Nothing worse than that. A a, a father and a son. Something just came up and you're at odds with each other. A a mother and a daughter. Uh, Lifelong friends. I was talking to someone recently and they said, you know what, Um, they had this great relationship with... Uh, with, 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 you know, friendship with a person. And they said our, 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 our friendship was, was uh, we had a, a failure. We had a broke, broken friendship. Nothing worse than that. And, and there's always an offense that can come and break our relationship. And what it does is it breaks a harmony that you once had. Uh, uh, with, with good friends, you have harmony. Are you with me? With, with, with good relationships, uh, father, father, son, mother, daughter, there's, there's, it's a harmonious thing. It's like it, everything just plays out right. There's trust that's built. You're able to, you're able to talk about things. Um, and, and when that's broken, there's, when that's broken, this is a very important word. All of us, we should be seeking this word called reconciliation. We, we should want relationships to be restored. Amen. That's exactly what the cross does with our relationship with our Father. At one time, we were living hostile toward our Father in heaven. But Jesus changed that. And, and look, at, look at how Paul puts it in, uh, in 2 Corinthians, the second letter after this first letter. He says, for the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that that one died for all. He's talking about Jesus. One died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Now, now this is a picture of baptism. We had baptisms last week, right? When you, when you get baptized, it's you saying that I, I died with Christ I was buried with him, and I was raised to a, a new life. So when, when, when Paul is saying that one died for all, so that all in him could die, I had to die to my old self. Amen? Because my old self was, was living contrary to, to, to God. Okay, now he keeps on going. He says, therefore, from now on, when this happens, when you, when you die to yourself, and you're raised to Christ. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to their, to their flesh. 
Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Oh my goodness, that's good stuff. I told you that when I was saying this Bible, it's everything I've been saying. He, you're a new creature, you're a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ on the cross and gave us, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, we should be bridge builders, not bridge destroyers. Are you with me? When you leave here, when you leave here, I want you to leave with the understanding. I'm not supposed to go out and burn bridges. I'm supposed to restore them. Why? Because God did that for me. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation, verse 19, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Oh my gosh. It's so good. You see, if you have said yes to Jesus, yes to Jesus just means I believe you. I trust you. You are the answer. You paid the price that I owe completely. And all the things that we were at one time, those things have all passed away. I'm not that person anymore. I'm new in Christ. Let me say this. Quit trying to be the old person that you were. Be the new person that God is making. Be the Jesus to the world that reconciles people to a loving father and be a loving bridge. That's who God called us to be. That is the gospel. That is the good news. That Christ is working in and through us and those that believe and trust in him and that we're bearers of good news. Because we're not the same people that we were at one time. Quit living your life in the yuck and come out of there and walk in the glory of God. Walk in the goodness. You know, man, if I had another 30 minutes, we would just really have a service. Because I would say this, when you understand this good news, you will not put a lot of weight on this world because it's passing away. You're, you're, you're going to cross the threshold. One of these days, we all will. It could happen to me this week. And if I did, just know I love you. You can cross that threshold of this world to the next. Don't waste time with this world. Make a difference in this world for the glory of God. Can I tell you? Think with me, beloved. What are you going to take into the next life? What are you going to take? 
Money? Houses? Possessions? Let me tell you what you're going to take into the next life. The people that you've reconciled to God. It'll change your whole ideology. It'll change your whole philosophy. It'll change your whole belief system when you make the gospel the most important thing in your life. And if you have not, I'm ending with this. If you have not said to Jesus, I need you in my life. I receive your forgiveness that was offered to me at Calvary. Do it today. Do it today. Let your eternity begin today. Let's pray. You're so good, Lord. Thank you for the good news. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord God, for the gospel. Lord, we, we, we choose to make the gospel the most important part of our life, never forgetting that we needed a sacrifice. We needed the propitiation, Lord, the worthy sacrifice of Jesus. Father, we, we, we come to you today. We, 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 we receive your love. We receive your grace. We, we, we say yes to you. And we choose to walk out of here, Lord God, out of this place of worship with our heads up high and let your name be glorified. We, we, we praise the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Let this be an apple like the flame.
Have a great week and we hope to see you next week.